Workshop series. You are listening to a podcast produced by JT Live Radio Ghana and the Center of African Studies at the School of Oriental and African Studies, University of London. Do you think governance in Africa or in Ghana is participatory? I think it is participatory because when we are electing certain members of state and the president, we vote. And in electing the district chief executives and other members of authority, we also vote. So okay. I think it's participatory. Thank you very much. Okay, so for those of us who think it is not participatory and inclusive, why? I think the participation in Ghana's democracy is limited to voting. After voting, that's all. Okay. We wait every four years, and then government put their things back together and then do things to solicit for votes. They don't even take measures to address the issues or the concerns that the people raise. If the people are limited till election period, then I, I don't think it's representative enough or it's participatory enough. Participation doesn't end at voting. The inputs of the citizens must be taken into consideration at any point in time in the, in the four year or in the term that the, the government is serving. Yeah, I sincerely think that there's a, a great relationship between the media and governance. Whatsoever decisions or policies are taken at the government level have influence on the media. The media has also been a platform sort of where people air out their opinions and their views. The media as well jointly collect the opinions and they run interviews like we are doing now. And so they are able to project the very concerns of the people to the government. What are your feedback and thoughts on the podcast by Ibrahim? But in a way, I disagree with him in the sense that the structural adjustment program policy came to even increase our poverty in Africa. For example, when you take Ghana as a, a whole, Ghana implemented the SAP, I think, 1981 under Jerry John Rawlings. But then we were able to achieve the economic uh, growth. The SAP was introduced so that it to liberate the people from poverty. Yeah. But then we didn't achieve this uh, goal or this objective. But then we were able to achieve the economic growth of the country. When we are talking about poverty, um, po poverty alleviation or um, dealing with poverty, most of the times what the, um, the structural adjustment policies brought was um, um, the increase or the improvement of the indicators by the UN. Maybe um, Africa is growing maybe 7% every year. But then when you go down to the grassroots, when you go down to the packets of of individuals in the in the countries, you get to know that the money that a country is is really getting is getting to the pockets of some few people. Even as it's the case, even in countries which are developed like China and Co, you 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 get to some of their rural areas and you realize that some of them are suffering. It is so over here in Africa. There is a wide gap between the rich people and the poor people. 
So even though the UN might recall that our economy is, is growing, um, this is happening, it doesn't have much influence on the lives of the individuals. So if in Africa we have a lot of kids out of school, um, we, people are illiterate, um, people can't afford three square meals a day. So you combine all these people and tell these people that um, you are developed. I think yes. it doesn't sound well. Well, I also have something to say about the structural adjustment program. Okay. You know, the implementation of the structural adjustment program was a step to improve the economy of Ghana or most African countries. But our uh, perceptions and our ability to anticipate the policies was the problem. You know, the structural assessment program, to my view, was more geared towards sectorial development. And it, it had three phases, the rehabilitation, the stabilization, and then the liberalization. Though stabilization may not work, um, rehabilitation in some way will work. And then um, liberalization. Now you can see the economy of Ghana. It's more, of, um, it's more dominated by the uh, capitalist system. You didn't anticipate it to the fullest, mm -hmm. but to some sectors, mm -hmm. it also helped. When we talk of the economic policy, these policies are not, these policies are not uh, meant to give us harsh or uh, render us into poverty. But in the case of Ghana, as I said earlier, when you, when you study, let's take this current dollar, uh, the CD and the dollar issue. You, you can see that the Bank of Ghana has been able to bring out some policies. These policies are also Western policies. Okay. And then in, instead of them to look at the local sector and, and bring out some of mid-day, our local businessmen and then see how they can solve this problem. They rely on these Western policies and then implement it. But we don't get the actual, the actual productivity and the actual results that we, we should get from those policies. I think we're talking about um, we Ghanaians patronizing our own goods. Okay, Africans. Yeah. Patronizing our own goods. But the system here is is resource available everywhere. So here comes the liberalization of the economy. Resources are, uh, are not evenly dis uh, distributed. So if you patronize your own good, and then I also patronize my own good. Okay, we are all patronizing our own goods. Um, when a time comes that you need a good for me, how would you get access to it? So if you are talking about we patronizing our own goods, okay, let's, ask, let's assess our resources and then our capital, technology. Let's put all of them into assessment before we make um, that conclusion of we patronizing our own goods. Foreign policies, I would say, are not uh, entirely negative in themselves, but... Yeah. Um, it is up to the leadership of Africans to 
contextualize the models so that we can develop from there. I think it is better if we examine the stages that the so-called West have passed through, so at least we do not repeat certain mistakes. So if you are taking um, the Western models into consideration, we know they did A, B, C, and we know what to do together. We know they had these obstacles, so we wouldn't take those dimensions. Well, I, I think my brothers didn't get what I was saying. Yeah. I didn't say foreign policy is bad. Exactly. What I said was that some of the policies do not do not solve our issues. It doesn't That's fit. In. Yeah, it doesn't fit. That's yeah. why I, I, I cited the dollar and the CD yeah. uh, for, for example. Yeah. That's I said. Now, the Bank of Ghana has been able to bring out policies, but yet the CD is still falling. Why has Africa not been able to institutionalize um, democratic governance? Africa's biggest problem, Africa's biggest issue so far as um, democratic consoli consolidation or institutionalization of democracy is concerned um, has to do with leadership. Africa lacks leadership. Okay. When you look at the, the, the suggestions made by the professor, I'd like to um, revisit some of them. He talked about um, coup d'etat, he talked about monastery leadership, he talked about criminality, which is on the rise. Yeah. And when you look at his first two points, coup d'etat and then monastery leadership, it shows you clearly that the issue with Africa is leadership. Yeah. If the leadership is corrupt, the people will be corrupt, the system will be corrupt, institutions will not work. I don't know if it's from, the, um, from our tradition where um, we all know that most of our kinship system is like it's, it's a monarchy. One has to pass it down to someone, and some people have to be, be, be proud and join power, and some people have to feel that the power belongs to them and it shouldn't move on to others. So the leaders have this mentality, and from that point, from the point that Africa, even you look at some of the some of the, um, um, the well-known leaders of, of the African continent, you, you can't leave Nkrumah out of it. And you know the kind of things that power did to him. Power, power has corrupted African leaders. African leaders, I see, can't handle power properly. When you talk of we, the African countries, when you, when you go back to history about our state formation or you can see that our states were not formed. It was being created. It was imposed on us. So the, we, the citizens, we don't even understand our, our states were imposed on us. And then when you come to culturally, Africans are not uh, attached to democracy. We don't understand it. Yeah. We, 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 we are not invited by those democracy and the, the, the Western policies. So it becomes very difficult when you impose such, uh, this democracy and then even the partition of uh, African countries, the boundaries and all things. When, when you do this thing to us, it becomes very difficult for us to accept these types of uh, democracy. So it will be very difficult for Afri Africans to, I mean, practice the democracy fairly because it is not our culture. And then two, our states were being imposed on us. So we are trying to adapt it. So I think they should appreciate what we are doing because we are trying to, I mean, adapt the democracy.
but it will be very difficult for us to operate it fairly as the Westerns are doing, because that is their culture. When we, when we, when we get back to the 19th century, the uh, Enlightenment and the revolution and the, and the industrialization, you, you can see that they have moved from, that's why uh, Augustine Kors said they have moved from one stage to another, but we are yet to move, Africans are yet to move from that traditional stage to modernity. I think that is the reason why you cannot see African countries practicing the democracy well. If you say um, democracy is not indigenous to the African people, and this is why we are having issues with that, um, I'll agree with you in a minimal sense. Um, look at um, countries like Botswana. I talked about Botswana. Botswana is a country in Africa, and democracy is being um, 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 uh, practiced to, to the... To the yeah, you get the point. The institutions work. The institutions work. Ghana, from 1957, we spent over 50 years trying to learn how democracy is practiced. We have a lot of countries on the African continent who have spent years in democracies. Can we say that their leaders don't know how to really practice democracy? They've not even gone to high school. They don't know what democracy is about. I don't think it's about it being the culture of Africa. I stick to the point of leadership. And I'll also add change. Africans don't like change. This local government, as it is in Ghana and Africa, they still exist. But the introduction of democracy um, and then for uh, Western cultures is making them feed out of the system. So I think the introduction of the Western cultures is undermining the authorities of the local governance. What my brother said is very true. Um, democracy, Western education, and, and the influence of the West concerning um, how Africa is supposed to be governing, how um, the, the knowledge of Africans even concerning governance has eroded the powers of the chiefs and the local authority. So right now, most of chiefs that were powerful I'm not trying to be sentimental. In Ghana, we have chiefs like the Asantehne. He's powerful. He has some money. And in Ghana, it is deemed that he has a little bit of authority. But the constitution of Ghana doesn't really consolidate his authority. He's more like um, uh, ceremonial. His, his powers are eroded. He doesn't have... What he has to do is to help the government implement policies that will help the country. But he doesn't really, he's not really into the, the power, the fiscal power of governing the nation. All right. they, they have, they've been sidelined. Yeah. So that's, that's the issue. Now. It's not entirely trying to uh, adopt the Western model. As it stands now, there's a mishmash of the local governance, the traditional local governance and then the Western local governance model. In the sense that um, some degree of observation is still given to traditional rulership and then most also given to the, um, the westernized model. Um, talking about um, good governance at the community level, I think one issue that has been a challenge is transparency. Uh, transparency has not received much attention in, our, in the African community and I think if um, the masses and the leadership as well 
would focus on transparency it would go a long way to help us so if our systems if our, our models if our um, if our, our chains are transparent enough I think we'll be able to reach the ideal level of governments that would want to see the chiefs exist away from governance they, they coordinate because they all serve the same purpose in, in our current system, they all is there is there is there a duty for them to all ensure development, and that's why if they same they they serve the same function, then they will have a relationship. But aside that, the basic duty of the assemblyman or a DC a, a DC basically is to function as the representative or the president in the local area. But if we are mixing them together to some point, they are vibrant then um, that's the, 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 the government structures, not the, the chieftaincy. The chieftaincy for me, the chiefs have been sidelined. Look at even the provisions in the constitution, even as my brother said, that chiefs are exempted from politics or partisan politics. This shows you the, the line that the constitution has drawn between governance and then chieftaincy. It ends over there. They will collect yeah. royalties. And then after that, the ceremonial duties come in. When they are having homo or whatever, they will come and give their long speeches. And some of them are also trying, getting um, partnership from, from outside and um, implementing policies. We have a tool for doing the educational fund and the rest. They are helping. So leadership is very key. And even as you said, transparency. You give them money, people will misapp uh, misappropriate funds. Um, it, it really happens. And people don't even respect the authority any longer because of certain things that are associated with them. Um, I think Ghana has a, a long way to go when you are talking about people really being represented at the local or the grassroots. Thank you to all those who participated in the production of this podcast. This workshop was part of the Governance for Development in Africa Initiative funded by the Mo Ibrahim Foundation in collaboration with Center of African Studies, London and JT Live Radio Ghana. To listen to this podcast again, please visit www.governanceinafrica.org. More information on this youth engagement initiative can be found at the same address. To find out more about JT Live Radio, please visit jtlivegana.org